0: This is Better Benefits, a podcast from the team at Brella Insurance. We're talking about how to use employee benefits to build a world where health hardships don't create financial burdens. If you're a broker or employer looking for fresh ideas and new products employees will actually use, this shows for you. I'm Laura Cave, Director of Marketing, and I'm here with our Chief Revenue Officer, Mike Zorillo, for Better Benefits, episode number three, where we are talking to leading benefits advisor, Josh Butler. He's joining us today to talk about the mindset shift and proven strategies that have made all the difference for his employer clients. Mike, I can't wait to hear from Josh. He's been somebody that we've really been looking forward to talking to for a while.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think uh, when I think of Josh, a few things stand out. One is is he brings a lot of passion and a lot of energy for the good work that he does and having a chance to uh, follow him, you know, on, on social media and connect in with him as we sort of uh, led up to uh, today's episode. Um, he's doing some really good things, and I think it'll be really powerful to get that message out to uh, to our audience. So I'm really thrilled uh, to have him as a guest today.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about Josh's background? How did he get to be such a health benefits ninja?
1: Yeah, well, I think some of that will come out in our conversation. I will tell you that Josh is the president of uh, Butler Benefits uh, and Consulting in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, He began his career in insurance and employee benefits in 2007. And uh, in 2015, he and his wife, Allison, started Butler Benefits and Consulting and I really quickly built the agency through innovative strategies and exceptional customer service. So, uh, really impressive story and uh, wonderful guest to have him
2: uh, with us
1: today. So, without further ado, let's welcome Josh Butler to the show.
2: Josh, how are you? I'm great. Mike, how are you today? Hello, Laura.
1: Hi there.
0: Cool. So, really glad to have you here. Why don't we start off by having you tell us a little bit more about what you're up to? At Butler Benefits.
2: Well, today uh, we're right in the midst of fourth quarter, so uh, obviously we're just everything's kind of a madhouse around here this time of year. But it's a it's a good busy. It's a it's a great buzz around the office. We always find ourselves in a groove this time of year, and and uh, it's almost sad after the first of the year when you start fourth first quarter uh, uh, in the next year how things kind of slow down a little bit. But we're working on renewing a lot of our uh, current business, a lot of our current clients and taking on some new clients, some of uh, which we've just captured here in the last week or two. So that's a challenge, but just uh, very, very busy, focused on um, closing up some opportunities that we generated in 2020 and already starting to forecast and look forward to next year.
0: Wow, that's awesome. I was going to ask, how has 2020 been for you and your team?
2: Wow, Um, I haven't really even had time to sit down and really process and really fully appreciate 2020. Um, I know that some people um, have had it a lot worse than we have, you know, furloughed or maybe they've lost their jobs or lost their benefits or maybe even had to close a business. We've been very fortunate this year it's been a it's been a great year for our firm. We've grown. Uh, we've kept our employees. i have avoided the coronavirus. You know, so uh, we've all stayed healthy. Um, we're we're very very blessed. Um, but I really haven't. You know, I don't think it's fully s- sunk in yet, Laura, uh, as to it's been a crazy and a wild year for for everybody, and and we're not you know immune to that. But um, We're thankful. We're healthy. And uh, we still got a business. We've still got a great team. And uh, we're thankful for that.
1: Yeah, that's great. Josh, you know, we'll get into a little bit about uh, COVID and and how it's impacted the environment that we all find ourselves in. Um, If you think about just the agency for a second and and running your business in, in this environment, set aside your customers for a second, just your your own world within Butler Benefits. What what has changed from that perspective, if if anything, and 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 how have you found yourself sort of being able to navigate the the you know the quote unquote new normals of twenty
2: twenty? Great question. I think that one of the biggest things that really resonated with me in twenty twenty, when it really kind of sank in and came home, was how healthcare is very local. You know, when you when we watch our city leadership. Responding to a national pandemic, um, you know, we're not getting help from Maryland or Florida or any other state. You know, I mean, these these states are taking care of their own places, and then and when you get drilled down into these local communities, it really does boil down to the local physicians, the local hospitals, the local facilities, the local resources, and so to me, it just kind of really it really. Resonated with me that we have a tremendous opportunity at the just at the local level to make such a difference for people in the in the quality of their lives, the prices that we pay for healthcare, um, because that's something that we directly have an impact in. But working with those community leaders and healthcare providers has um, has shown to be um, doable, workable uh, between the payer side and the uh, provider side. And that's probably been the biggest, most significant revelation that I've had this year is that, you know, we really can influence what happens in our community. We can make a big impact in people's lives and in the lives of companies and self-funded employers in particularly. So that's probably it, Mike.
1: Yeah, it's great. I mean, I I think in 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 all the conversations that i have relative to 2020 and the environment we find ourselves in i think the one thing that's standing out is is how effective people are at finding some of those silver linings and some of those new ways in which things can be done not saying to your example that that connectivity locally hasn't always been there but the environment we find ourselves in now sort of forces us to think about things a little differently so i i, I do appreciate that and and on the topic of healthcare costs, you know, you, you've you been helping your clients bring those costs down, you know, in spite of the fact that underlying healthcare and premiums and, and all of that uh, stuff continue to rise. So, what, what would you attribute the success that you've had over the last uh, several years in uh, making some positive impacts in that regard?
2: Well, I just think first and foremost with so many uh, potential clients and our clients, so many businesses out there, uh, the first Uh, Lever that needs to get pulled is the financial uh, lever. Companies are simply looking to save money. They're also looking, um, you know, listening to their employees when the employees say, well, our costs are going up, but so are our deductibles. So are our out of pocket costs. So are our utilization costs, you know, so. We really started to focus on that, and I think uh, the foot in the door for so many of our clients and some and potential clients is financial, that if we can come in with uh, specific solutions that have an immediate impact on them financially as an organization, then they're going to listen to us. They're at least going to get, we're at least going to get their attention. And then as we start to build that trust and build that partnership and build that relationship, then we're able to you know speak more and have more influence on that business through innovative plan design maybe. Maybe it's direct contracting. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, leveraging some of the direct contracts uh, that we've negotiated. Maybe it's a uh, reference-based pricing uh, or some of the more innovative things that we can do at the plan level. Uh, but I think the first thing that grabs their attention is they are just they're they're too they're to a point where anybody that can come in and truly and effectively lower their costs is going to get some attention. And I'm not just talking about you know shopping a different you know, health insurance plan that has a lower premium. I mean, we we've gone down this road of raise your deductible to lower your premiums, you know, just cost shifting has proven to be a, a futile attempt at reigning in healthcare costs long-term. So we just have that conversation and those that are ready to have that conversation today, most of them turn out to be our clients, um, but some of them aren't, aren't, they're just not ready yet. And that's okay. We just got to be patient.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, it's a, it's a really, um, it makes a lot of sense, and i and I, I applaud you because i I think it it's one of the ways in which i I see you being comfortable challenging the status quo and 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 being different. And it you know, candidly, it's it sounds like a really good solution. and i'm I'm curious from your perspective, why doesn't everybody do it this way or approach it that way, or if, if maybe ask it a little more specifically what What do you see are are the challenges with respect to embracing? some of the ideas that you mentioned and, and how do you help your clients overcome them?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, from the broker level, I think that the answer to that question is multifaceted. I know that when we very first, uh, my wife and I, you would mentioned we started Butler Benefits about six years ago. We we didn't start out doing a lot of innovative things. We started out like anybody else. I mean, we were a brokerage firm. We We sold insurance to anything that could fog a mirror, right? I mean, we had bills to pay. We had employees to pay. I had overhead expenses and you're trying to build a business. Um, But as, you know, I kind of, you know, evolved over time and, you know, I I got, you know, baptized, so to speak, and brought into a, a different way of thinking then we we're, we're able to work on different things. So I think one of the reasons that a lot of brokers or consultants aren't working in this capacity is I'm just gonna be honest with you. I mean, in the brokers make quite a bit of money and they make a lot of money doing it the old way. And so a lot of people just have this sentiment. I've worked for 35 years. I'm not, I, I'm not ready to start over in our philosophical approach. And I'm just gonna ride this thing out and make as much money as I can and that's it. And I'm gonna ride off into the sunset. Um, but for the younger generations, I think that we see the handwriting on the wall that, you know, what got us to this point, it, what got my company here is not going to get me to the next level where I see our organization because I just feel like the status quo is, has too many challenges uh, with price being up there around the top, the, the uh, out of control pricing failure and those types of issues that you're very familiar with, Mike. So it's um, But in a nutshell, it's twice as much work for half as much money. And that's why most people aren't out there doing um, doing the work that uh, a lot of us are doing.
0: Wow, that's that that's tough. I mean, a lot of incumbent headwinds. It sounds like in the industry, but at the end of the day, it sounds like your your clients are really the ones uh, benefiting from the effort you're making, and hopefully that creates some loyalty and some some growth opportunity for you. It sounds like you're you're definitely bringing in those new clients this year.
2: Well, I mean, that's the thing is that we can't, none of, all of our success is predicated upon their ability to do something different. Um, and so if there, if you don't have someone that's willing to think outside the box a little bit and have the courage to do something a little bit different, then, you know, my business model kind of falls flat. Um, you know, right. so um, they deserve a lot of the credit. As a matter of fact, they deserve all the credit. But we, we, we uh, adopt an approach here at Butler Benefits that we just we educate to the point of change. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty passionate about what I do, like Mike said, and uh, I can be pretty convincing because I truly believe there's a better way to uh, to finance healthcare, care to um, especially in the self-funded world. Uh, these employers have a tremendous opportunity and, you know, you can't fault people for what they don't know. You know, so um, uh, right now, just the majority of employers simply don't know that there's a better mousetrap out there.
0: Yeah, so that's what that was going to be my follow up question. Let's say there's somebody listening to this who is doing it the way they've been doing it, but they know it's not working. And maybe they're facing a big rate increase this year. Maybe, you know, business is tight and they're looking for ways to save uh, some of their costs. Um, What can you sketch? In a little bit more specificity, high level, what should they be thinking about?
2: Well, um, number one, if you're not working with a consultant or an advisor or broker, I mean, I know those uh, terms are used interchangeably in a lot of in a lot of scenarios. But um, if you're not working with someone that's bringing meaningful solutions to the table, um, in ch- especially in challenging years, then you're, sim- you're simply working with the wrong people. Because I feel like. There's virtually, I mean, uh, there's there's pretty much a solution for every problem. I'll give you an example. We just recently took in a large client over the in the last couple of weeks. That's a January 1 renewal. So you can imagine how crazy it is here right now. Mm-hmm. They were they were uh, looking at a 40% increase in their annual costs uh, for 2021, 46%. Wow. And um, they came to us and said, we, we've heard about y'all. Um, we spoke with them a little bit last year. We didn't win that client last year. Uh, But they came back to us this year and they said, hey, you know, we've heard about y'all. We keep hearing more and more about y'all that you have uh, some innovative ideas. Do you mind taking a look at our stuff? And we agreed to take a look at it. And uh, looked at it for several days, came back, got with my team, and we kind of brainstormed a, a strategy for them. Then we went to some of the markets that we have access to and some of the solutions partners. And uh, long story short, Laura, it, it came back to where we've we've reversed that 46% increase in cost next year to 2%. Um, and it maintains good quality benefits for the employees. And, um, you know, it just took a lot of uh uh, you had to get a little. We had to get a little creative, um, but I think that there's a solution to every problem. That's what we get paid to do. Uh, so that would be my first tip: is uh, get with people that aren't afraid to fire Blue Cross Blue Shield, or they're not afraid to fire United Healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not afraid to look for smaller independent vendors, and then get creative. And then, um, you know that that would be my number one tip. Yeah, I, I love that
1: story, and, and I think uh, having a chance to sort of follow you, you know, over the last several months on on some of the social media platforms, I, I see that's a, a consistent, you know, theme of of being able to find some some interesting success stories. You said something earlier, and and I think I've picked up on this in in previous uh, comments that you've made around um, working with companies who share your passion. And I'm curious because it, if they're not invested, if they don't believe it can work, if, if, if they're not going to sort of take the steps necessary and to your point, have the courage to make change, you know, that, that creates obstacles, right? And, and I'm, so I'm just curious from your perspective, how do you, how do you vet that? Um, and, and, and what are some of the things that you do to make sure that your clients or even prospects before clients have that passion and, and commitment to, to make change?
2: Wow. I mean, that's a that's a great, great question, because we laugh about this sometimes, you know, um, I'm a member of the Health Rosetta and there's a lot of consultants from around the country that I've gotten to be pretty good friends with. And we talked about this uh, pretty frequently. And I think the first stage uh, for these um, for our clients and our pr- pr- prospective clients to make a change is you got to piss them off. You know, um, and that's not hard to do in the uh, in the current status quo system. When we start to show them where the money's going, uh when why is why is a knee replacement seventy five thousand dollars at this facility versus nineteen thousand where we can get it, and why is this MRI twenty eight hundred dollars at this facility when we can get it for four hundred? Why are, why is your broker making seventy five cents per prescription fill when they don't have anything to do with it? You know, what are rebates? Why aren't they giving me a hundred? percent of them. And when we start to educate these employers on a level of how they've just been kept in the dark on some of this stuff, then very first reaction, Mike, which which we're looking to kind of be the catalyst to to provoke is to get them upset, you know, because if you're not upset with the way things are going, then you're just, I'm just going to be honest, either you're part of it or you're just oblivious to it. So I use this really crude analogy, And I hope it's, it's not bad, but uh, it's not, it's not crude like that. I'm going to use it on your show. So (laughs) here it is. It's uh, you know, I use this analogy is that Mike, what do you do when you find out and you discover for the very first time that your brother beats his wife, what do you do? Right. I mean, you're torn. You love your brother. You know, you've, I mean, he's a great guy and you love him to death, but you also love your sister in law and you love that little niece, you love that little nephew. And you have to, and you go home at night and you lay your head down on your pillow and you just pray to God, God, why? I mean, I don't want to know this. Why did I ever discover this? You know, you just wish and you pray that you had that things could just go back, right? The moral of the story is is that you're you wouldn't ever be held responsible. No one would ever blame Mike for Mike's brother abusing his wife, right? But here's the thing, Mike. Before you knew that you weren't responsible for it. But now that you know what your brother's doing, don't you feel a sense of responsibility? I mean, I would if I found that out and discovered it about my own family. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would feel like I would feel a responsibility to step up and do something to protect everybody else. Right. And that's the position you got to put people in because that's the way you do it professionally is I ain't twisting anybody's arm out there. I'm just exposing it to them for the very first time, a lot of these people. And now, now before, I, I'm, not, I'm not blaming you for doing it the way you've always done it all these years. You didn't know any better. But now, you know, right now, you're responsible. Now, what are you going to do, Mike? you going to keep doing it the old way. Are you going to put that aside because you see how bad it is and see how many pe- people it's hurting in this country and go do something different? And we just challenge people that way. What are you going to do? And I think that's how you get people motivated because then they just it raises the eyebrow and they're like, dang, man, he's got a point. You know, are we going to keep are we going to be part of the problem? Or are we going to be part of the solution? And that's a choice. That's just a choice people got to make. I
0: love that. I mean we talk about that all the time once you know the good you can do you have to do it you know and i think what you're doing there is you're you're tapping into that fiduciary responsibility that we each have toward our organizations and to the to the team members that that these employers are supporting and their families it's it's worthy of that level of challenge
2: and you're going to win half as much business as we did under the status quo way. It's because people are just slow to change. They're afraid to change. And so, you know, our wins may be fewer and further between, but I feel like that the movement and that type of mindset and philosophy is starting to build traction. And mm-hmm. it's thanks to a whole lot of people, people like you guys that host podcasts and get messages out and you are supportive of these types of things.
0: Mm-hmm. I
2: think that, that that's just going to perpetuate and it's going to grow and it's going to And it's going to become an unstoppable force at some point because we just think that we have better solutions. Um, And I stand on the shoulders of giants. I mean, I've learned something from people every day. This isn't all Butler benefits. And, you know, you know, Josh has come up with all these proprietary ideas. That's not what it is. But the Health Rosetta is about crowdsourcing the best practices from around the country and replicating them. And that doesn't mean I came up with the best practice. It could be somebody that somebody did something that somebody did in Pennsylvania. And I'm like, that's a brilliant, brilliant solution. Um, And then you just learn it and you share it and we spread it. And we feel like that's how we're going to get systemic change sooner or later.
1: Yeah. I, I love that too. And I, and I think the other thing it does is, is, you know, not having had the luxury of sitting in front of the, or the, 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 you know, the, Advantage of sitting in front of a a client or prospect presentation, but I'm guessing is it is it helps you put the black and white around it right it's not just the pie in the sky, you know, ideas and concepts you're able to put some structure and framework and and um, proof behind what it is that you're, you're working on and I think to your point it does allow folks to see it in action and and that makes it a lot easier to then take action. And uh, so I commend you for that approach. I, I, I think that's uh, terrific.
2: Yeah. Proof of concept is necessary. And in, in, in any uh, phase of change, I mean, these people, they want to talk, they just don't want you to tell them a story. They're like, well, give me Mike's phone number. I'm going to call him and ask him if that's how it went down. Right. So case studies are um, a primary focus. Uh, we do a lot of those, um, and uh, the Health Rosetta does and publishes, uh, you know, Dave Chase's last book that he just published uh, was uh, half of it was case studies of Health Rosetta advisors that had implemented, you know, uh, innovative strategies into their self-funded clients and and the results that that um, were followed. So you're right. Absolutely. The uh, proof of concept is uh, I think we've achieved that uh, now. It's just a matter about it's a issue of scalability.
0: Mm hmm. So speaking of change and, and thinking about how you're going to continue to scale this, is there anything that you are adjusting or that is um, changing because of the reality of COVID-19?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, you know, when the uh, the fully insured carriers came out and told everybody, told the whole world that they were just going to pay 100% for, you know, COVID testing and treatment, um, we've still yet to see... Um, the fallout or the uh, economic impact that that's going to have on everybody, it's uh, still because we're still in the throes of, um, you know, a pandemic. It's gotten we're in the second wave and it's gotten really bad again here uh, in Texas, as you guys know, if you follow the news. But yeah, it's a challenge. I think that's one of the biggest things is we still don't know uh, yet there may have been a lull in like elective surgical procedures and elective procedures and things of that nature. So a lot of self-funded plans have seen their claims in the in the short term, their, their claims have gone down right and uh, but I, I don't want people to get caught up in a false sense of security when they see that because we still don't know the unfunded liability that's out there from all these covid treatments and tests and hospitalizations I know this i know when i see you stay in the hospital it's not very cheap you know so when yeah. you when you look at the hospitalization rate has gone up a lot here in this second wave i just think that it's premature to say one way or the other but i'm starting to lean more towards hey Whatever we gained in, you know, the delay or the um, of surgical procedures, um, you know, elective procedures, I think we're going to more than offset in COVID cost or pin up demand when because people are still going to need to get knees done and hips done. And in the future, they just I think that's a delayed cost. So. I, I, that's kind of what I'm most interested in looking at in 2021. If COVID finally does the, you know, these vaccines get out and we start to get a get our hands around this thing and numbers, you know, go down, how quickly people try to return to normal expenditures in these self-funded plans. Right now, it's just it's strange.
1: Yeah, it certainly is. Um, just, just uh, I mean, classic 2020, right? Nothing is uh there's just nothing normal about it and it you know and i think it requires all of us to i said this yesterday in in a uh in a call that i was on with a uh, a broker partner is it just requires all of us to be willing to uh try some things differently to your point be a bit patient but also take action where action should be taken and and um so i think it's going to be interesting to see how the next you know, six months certainly plays out uh, across the spectrum of, of uh, employee benefits and health insurance. And, um, you know, one of the things that you, you mentioned earlier on, Josh, and, and I, I think it was one of the uh, early encounters that I had with you and uh, Butler Benefits was um, your passion and focus around your local community. W- would you mind telling us a little bit about what you've been doing uh, on that front with RIP Medical Debt?
2: Sure. Um, Yeah, that's just something that I am. I'm a native Texan. I grew up in West Texas. Um, I didn't grow up in Amarillo, but my wife did. Uh, I grew up in a small town about 150 miles from here, a real small town with about 2,500 people in it. And that's where my family still is. We're a very agrarian, rural-based, you know, community. Emerald has only got two hundred thousand people in it. I call it the biggest small town I've ever lived in. You can't go anywhere in town without running into people. You know, today I sat at a little uh, restaurant here close to my office and had a conversation with a total stranger about quilt making and how many quilts she's making for, uh, for family members and church members and and uh, friends and um, and it's just a it's a wonderful community uh, the people are very uh tight you know we're very um I don't know very relational here in in the Texas Panhandle and I, I do, I have a, a, a passion for my community. Uh, it is also one of the most underinsured and uninsured um, geograph- geographic segments in the entire country. Our uninsured population wow. is uh, very, very high. And so I know that a lot of people here that are ending up in our hospitals and things, they don't have insurance. And as you know, Mike, um, healthcare uh, costs have become the number, the number one cause of personal bankruptcy in the United States. That has a disproportionate impact on the Texas panhandle because of the number of uninsured people that live here. Texas, as you know, didn't expand Medicaid either, so these people are just – they're uninsured, right? And so there's a a tremendous amount of medical debt here as well. And I started to learn again, I didn't discover RIP medical debt. Uh, I heard about it through a a colleague and I got to looking into it and I'm like, man, this is amazing. I didn't. And so I learned a whole lot about how debt is traded and it trades hands. It's bought and sold and that pretty much anybody can buy debt and then try to go after and collect it. And the way that happens in healthcare is that the older that debt is, the cheaper that it becomes. So RIP Medical Debt, their MO is to find this outstanding medical debt that can be acquired for literally a penny on the dollar. And then they're just using things like crowdsourcing or a GoFundMe type of mechanism, which is what it is. And you get people to donate money. Uh, And then at the end, when you have your fundraiser with whatever funds you've raised, you go to RIP Medical Debt and they're able to acquire as much medical debt as possible. And the cool thing about it is you can target it. And so I targeted, we just wrapped up our inaugural campaign. We're going to do it again in 2021, but we raised enough money to acquire $1.3 million of local medical debt. And then we forgive it. We don't seek to collect on it. And so these people, and it was for, it, it, it impacted 730 people right here in Potter or Randall County. And that's the two counties that make up Amarillo. Okay. So, this is a way for us that at, through my data analysis, through my research, just through my work, we see the financial impact that healthcare has on so many people, right? This was a way that we could give back to our community because medical debt is a different kind of debt. It's not like these people strolled into a hospital and said, Hey, can I get a triple bypass surgery, please? I just want one. I want to rack up $200,000 oh, worth of debt real quick. Most times, medical debt is a debt of necessity. They, I mean, it's something happened. They got cancer. They had a heart attack. It was a car wreck. It was COVID. Something happened to these people unexpected. They didn't purposely go out there and rack up this medical debt. So it's just a way it's a, it's something that I found and I said, this is the perfect thing for us in our industry that we can grab onto and help people in our community in this way.
1: Wow. I mean, that is, uh, that, that's awesome, and I commend you and and the team on that. That is a uh, that on its own makes 2020 a uh, hyper successful year. So uh, you know, kudos to to you for that. And I'll uh, I'll ask Laura to share some some uh, some comments. I think we we share a passion for you know helping to minimize you know financial distress. Uh, so so Laura, I'll I'll turn it to you to maybe share a little bit about brother sure. Parish
0: yeah, yeah. so we you're ringing so many bells for us because we started a program last summer, just when the core team was assembled, uh, we first really assembled, like right after I joined and our head concierge joined. and we started a program where once a month we donate to a family's GoFundMe program uh, page when it's related to med- a medical issue that we would cover as if they were a Brello member. And the reason for that is because we we want to accelerate our impact. We're we're building an insurance product which is not easy. It takes time to get to market. Texas is our first market and we want to stay close to the stories and and we wanted our hearts to be close to the issues that families are facing and of course, you know, a, a couple of those beneficiaries have been folks suffering from COVID, but others have been people with cancer and lymphoma and all kinds of things that, you know, accident, motorcycle accidents, and just things, the injuries and illnesses that rocked their year um, as a family. And, and so we're able to kind of step in and say, here's 2500 bucks, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it it's it, nothing for a, a corporate expense, but it, it means so much to families. And so, anyway, I just want to say, when you do this program again, I want you to count us as your first donor, because thank you. I'd really like to give you twenty five hundred dollars and watch you turn it into forgiving two hundred fifty thousand hey, dollars. Two hundred and
2: fifty—that's <laughs> a quarter of a million dollars of medical debt. I mean, yeah, that's awesome, Laura. And that I will. I mean, thank you so much for the offer. Uh, I'll definitely keep you guys in mind. One one idea that I had though is uh, um, one of our clients is um, runs a non the largest nonprofit organization here locally, and uh, I'm going I'm going to talk to them because um, I've been researching through their website and what they do is that you can create these endowment funds, you know, and that money can be invested, and that money grows interest. Amazing. And so think about a campaign like this in perpetuity that just says, look. What would, how much interest could be earned on an initial investment of a quarter of a million dollars if we could raise a quarter of a million dollars? That would be enough interest every year and just keep the two, the initial investment in the vehicle, but just draw the interest off
0: uh, annually.
2: And buy down medical debt with it. I mean, that's something that we that that I'm that that way might because here's the deal. I'm not a fundraiser. Okay. I found (laughs) that out In, in my inaugural campaign. I can go out and I can talk about benefits, I can talk about risk management. But when I ask people just to dig in their pockets and give us some money to help other people, I'm just not that good at it, right? Maybe I'll get better at it. But so I'm looking to maybe um do something, to automate this thing. You know, let's put this thing I on love steroids that idea. where it just runs. So
0: you're just, what you're doing is you're building a fire hose and it then it just goes. Right. Yeah.
2: Then it just goes, and let's just watch this thing go and build. And maybe you turn it into scholarships. Maybe you do a a campaign for medical debt. Maybe you do GoFundMe pages uh, for people that are. Because I mean, I've seen these. I mean, I've seen the mm-hmm. in Texas in West Texas. It's not so much GoFundMe, but you still see the old school jars in in the convenience stores. You know, so, mm-hmm. Dad got cancer, and we need we need some help. You know, wow. so those types of stories. That's what kind of motivates me. Those people, we want to help them.
0: That's amazing we'll We'll be right there with you. that's that's great. Well, um Josh, I want to thank you for your time today. I know it's a crazy like day in the middle of a week in the middle of fourth quarter, and we just really appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us and and to share your insights with uh, with our listeners. and so yeah, really, really great conversation with you. Today.
2: absolutely enjoyed it. Laura, thank you so much, Mike, thanks for the invitation and uh, uh, I look thank forward you, to Jared. hearing the episode and if y'all need anything from me, just Never hesitate to reach out.
0: Okay, sounds good.
2: Thank you. Thanks, guys.
0: So, Mike, what are going to be your takeaways from this? I mean, there's so much that we just talked about. What's sticking? Well, I think the first thing I'm going
1: to do. I I think the first thing I'm going to do is run through a brick wall. Um, I I just I said right from the beginning, the passion and energy that Josh exudes is contagious, Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, he, he mentions this on, I think it's his LinkedIn page, where it, it's not easy to buck the system, right? It's not easy to challenge the status quo. But when you wake up every day with an energy and a passion to do it, it, it does make it a little easier. And, and I know that, that resonates with me because, you know, we're trying to do things different here at Brella. And, and you know, it requires us to be different. And uh, so, so that that really resonated with me. And I think that's the reason why Josh is able to to have success. The other thing he said was just the fact that he's willing to share it with others that the help he gets from others, right? Standing on the shoulders of giants and learning from others. I mean, that's the reason we started this podcast, right? Was it takes a village and we're all in this together at the end of the day. And, you know, yes, you can be competitive and yes, you can try to, you know, out hustle and out, out last the competition. But at the end of the day, the 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 employee, the consumer, the person really at the end of that line is the one we all Serve so those two things really resonated with me. How about you?
0: I think for me, it's just so refreshing to hear someone who's actually going after costs and having success in bringing those things down. I mean, when I started in the the health insurance industry, I was working for a startup insurance company, and we had a lot of really smart strategies at play. But there, this is a market with some really tough dynamics, and I had to be the one to write the letters every year about the rate increases that would go to members. And, and that just broke my heart. And at Brella, we're doing our part to put cash in families' hands when they're experiencing health issues and those medical bills hit their deductible and they're responsible for those dollars. But we can't do that forever. If, if premiums keep going up and deductibles keep going up and the the cost of this care keeps going up, it's it, you know, to these astronomical figures that Josh was mentioning. So we have to get after the cost. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, I really was excited about doing this podcast in general and this episode in particular, because, you know, it's not just kicking the can down the road. It's actually getting to the root of the issue and finding ways to do that, I think is really exciting. The other thing I love that he mentioned was that it is local. Healthcare has always been local and the solutions are local, and it's about our relationships with each other. It's about the the cost of care locally, and so I love what he's doing in Amarillo, and I and I think that you know we're just really hoping to to start forming those local relationships in in Texas and and trying to make an impact uh, there in those communities and helping people understand that that um, being part of something even as simple as being a, a member of Brella. Is putting us in a position to care for whoever on their team locally has an issue. It might be you. It might be your coworker's kid who has a health issue, and and that person is going to get some relief because together we have contributed to the plan. And so, um, it's it's nice to see these insurance products working the way they're supposed to. I guess is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's well said. And and on the local front, again, you know, just the good work that uh that Josh is doing uh locally to help relieve, you know, some of that uh, medical debt. I, I didn't I didn't realize the the uninsured population was as high as it was. So just uh props to to him and the team for the good work that they've done there. So Laura, it was a great, great episode and uh great to be with you again. Any final thoughts?
0: No, I think I would just say that um you know, if any of this discussion has resonated with you as our listeners, we, and if you want to get involved, I want you to email Mike, uh, send him a note, sales at joinbrella.com. You know, we're working with brokers and their Texas based clients on off cycle enrollments. And so don't wait until your next benefit cycle to get your team the coverage that they need. And you can also visit joinbrella.com slash podcast for some links to. Josh's uh, company, as well as uh, RIP Medical debt, some of the other things that we mentioned on this episode. Visit joinbrella.com slash podcast for notes from today's show. And if you liked the episode, share it with a colleague. This helps us spread the word. Be sure to subscribe or follow in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss our next episode. And that's a wrap. This is Laura Cave and Mike Zarillo from the Better Benefits Podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great week.